This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is with former Iowa State wrestler Dave Martin, who this September will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. Martin was part of two NCAA championship teams under Harold Nichols, and the Algona native was also an individual NCAA champ in 1970 before embarking on a long, very successful career as an athletics coach and administrator. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Dave Martin. Well, Dave, first of all, just tell me about when you got the phone call from Jamie Pollard. What did that mean to you? Well, I mean, it was it was always exciting to be part of any Hall of Fame. And, you know, it's one of those ones that, you know, you look back and you think, yeah, there's a lot of people there. There's even guys that are wrestling around the same time that I was wrestling. Maybe they're in right now. Maybe they're not in. I don't know. But I know that it's, a, it's an elite bunch of people that are not only good athletes, but represent the university well. And, yeah, so it's really it's nice for me. I appreciate them calling me, and uh, I'm excited to be able to come back up there. Now, you grew up in Algona, and that was really uh, during the kind of the golden era of Iowa State wrestling under Harold Nichols. Kind of take me back to that time as you were picking out of college. Did you pretty much know it was going to be Iowa State all along? No, I really didn't. I mean, um, I don't think I'd ever been on an airplane flight in my life by the time when I was recruitable, and I Ended up, I actually took a trip, but I went to, uh, I think it was Michigan, and I also got uh, I got <clears throat> calls and that from Wisconsin, and I had an opportunity out at Lehigh, and I went down and actually visited Iowa University, and then I actually visited Iowa State. And I think at first, you know, I got up in the, went up the top of the football stadium in Michigan, and I thought, this stadium was bigger than the whole town I'm from. So, I mean, I was, I started leaning a lot more towards staying in state, but to be honest with you, a number of us had all gone to Iowa University to be recruited one weekend, and we had a great time. I really liked it there, but I think when it really came down to making the decision of where I wanted to go, I liked the fact it was only 100-plus miles from my hometown, and I just felt like we had a better chance to win the national championship at that particular time in wrestling history than we did at Iowa University, and so um, I was just thinking about it one night, and I just told my dad, I said, I think I want to go to Iowa State. I just think that's where we have the best chance to win a team title. Uh, that's where I want to go. And it turns out you did, after all, win a couple of them. Tell me what Coach Nichols was like. Everybody seems to have a story about Nick. What 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 are your memories of Nick? He would fare quite well, even in wrestling circles today, because he was a great recruiter. You can find people that can coach guys but you have to find somebody who can get them on your campus and become a student. And Nick was, he was great at that. He just was very organized. He was always on top of recruiting and he would bring in good class after good class. And then, you know, once you got there, they had people like Les Anderson, Bobby Douglas, some of the people that were assistant coaches that really helped hone your skills. And the other thing is you just have so many other good wrestlers in the room that it pushes you to, strive harder and to reach greater heights just because of the competition you have right in your own room. Now, you, in 1970, made your way to the top of the podium. The year before, you'd been the runner-up. How did that feel to finally get to the to the very top of the podium in your senior season? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because in 1968, I, I mean, I really thought we had the best team in 68 when I was a sophomore, but we had, I think, one of our wrestlers that had been in the national finals two years in a row left the team two weeks before the Nationals, and we ended up just a few points, and we would have won the title when we were sophomores. But by my junior year, I was actually uh, wrestling a weight that was comfortably. I was cutting an awful lot of weight my sophomore year 
I didn't have near the year I thought I should because I just cut too much weight. But in my junior year, it was an interesting thing because the Big A tournament was in Ames that year, and we thought we had the best team, and we were really good. And they had, We host the tournament. I think we got beat by OU and Oklahoma State, tied for first in the Big Eight that year, and we were 40 points behind them. And I think our fans along with us, we were really disappointed because we thought, wow, I mean, we thought we were the best. Without question, we get beat by 40 points by two teams in our league. But the good news of that story is that two weeks later, everything kind of clicked for us. I think we had either nine, either eight or nine All-Americans. We had four people in the finals that year, and we won the national championship by about 35 points. And, you know, I don't think anybody ever brought up again how poorly we had done two weeks earlier in the Big Eight. So it just shows you in sports, you know, when everything just clicks for you, that was really neat to win that because, you know, what we had done two weeks earlier certainly didn't indicate that we were going to do that. When we came to my, my 1970, my senior year, I felt like there wasn't any question that we were going to win. We certainly had no idea that we would see our captain, Dan Gable, actually lose the only match he ever lost. And, I mean, that really put a damper to me on the celebration. I think I don't even remember our team going out to eat after that because we were so, I mean, disappointed, but we were just shocked. We we hadn't seen that happen before. And so it was really a, a great thing when it happened when we were juniors. When we won when we were seniors, we felt like we were – supposed to win, had all the talent to win, never expected to have to win and watch him lose. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had to take the mat not too long after Gable lost. And, and I've, I've heard the story about Chuck Jean, you know, didn't even want to wrestle at all. He was that distraught about that. Just explain to me, I, I'm sure everybody in that room completely admired everything that Dan Gable did. What was that experience like when you when when he got beat and then you had to go out there? Well, I mean, it was obviously a shock. Um, I wasn't the next weight. I mean, he wrestled, I think, right around 142, and I was at one. Oh, I remember what the weight was, 58 that year, I think. And mm-hmm. um, and the thing about it is, yeah, it shocked our whole team. We could, I couldn't even believe it. But a lot of times, you know, at that point, you're back in the back and you're warming up. And I think all the guys in our team just – you know, you just learn that when it's your time, you got to do what you got to do, and you got to block those other things out. But I think it was much harder after our matches, and and when we win and they're giving us the team title and all these things, but it just put a damper on it because you know we hadn't seen that happen before, and so that was very bittersweet. I mean, great that we had won two years in a row, not so great that we had to watch him lose. But you know, just I think he was a great example. I mean, I think it, I mean I don't think I know I roomed with him. That really hurt his feelings. He just couldn't believe that he lost, but it was kind of one of those things. It wasn't two weeks later, and he had to do a oh, they had him speaking at a banquet or something. And you know, at first, I mean, he was saying, "I'm not, I'm not going to speak at that." And I go, "Yeah, you are going to speak. I already told him you would." And he goes, "I'm not going to." And I go, "Yeah, you are. And you're going to go up there and you're going to tell him that's the last time you're going to see me lose." And you know, it didn't take long, and there he was, and he was up there telling him that, and I don't think he ever lost again. I'd say that he was the strongest mentally any athlete I've ever been around. And I think that that really, he spun that off onto a lot of guys in the team. And so that's why I think we were really good is because we had tons of talent physically, but we mentally were pretty tough too. And a lot of that had to do with how, you know, he was our captain and just the example he put. You were around him a lot then as his roommate and and close friend. And and wrestlers, you really have to be self-motivated to 
drive yourself to be the best and all that, but was there just something different about him, the the, the way that, you know, things that made him tick and, and, and the way that he prepared that kind of rubbed off on, on everybody else in that room? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you a, a story I've told people many times, but he had the ability to push himself to a to a point. I, I mean, most people couldn't do that. You just would quit before you do that. And he used to he was he was famous for the say one more time. I just want to go one more time. So practices I've seen that happen more than one time. This just didn't happen once. Where he'd get maybe three or four guys to wrestle him, and they would go on one minute takedowns, and he would stay out there the whole time. And then every minute somebody new would come on him, and he would do it and do it and do it to the point where he literally could not stand up. And we would pick him up. And back in the old days, the wrestling room was upstairs. I think it was in Byer Hall or whatever the name of that. And we would have to carry him down the steps to his locker because he couldn't walk. But he'd be right back the next day doing the same thing. I mean, he could push himself, you know, to a limit that was, you know, really unbelievable. But what that did is it taught everybody in that room, you know, we got to push ourselves. We got we to gotta fight through adversity because I don't know if there's – I don't know very many wrestlers if there's any of them that don't go through some period of their life of their wrestling career that they think, I can't do this. It's too hard. I want to quit. You need guys like him right there pushing you through it. So I think our team, I mean, we had some, we had some great athletes. I mean, Jason Smith, uh, he was a two-time national champion in third once. That guy was one of the, he was one of the best athletes I've ever seen. And then, you know, you've heard all the crazy stories about Chuck Jean, but Chuck Jean was an unbelievable competitor. I mean, when he stepped on the mat, he never stepped on the mat thinking he was going to lose. So, you know, when you get, when you're seeing that on your team, then you start bringing these younger kids along because, about, you know, after we've been on the team a year or two, then comes, you know, some of these other guys, Carl Adams, I mean, that guy ended up being an unbelievable national champion. And so it kind of breeds success because you've got guys around there that fight through adversity and just won't take uh, getting beat. That's not going to happen. We're going to just keep going. And we did. And you're right, over those three or four years in there, we had some of the best wrestling probably that they've ever had at Iowa State. Well, after you got done with your competitive days, you you didn't stray out of the conference. In fact, you, you found a home in Stillwater at Oklahoma State, uh, wearing a lot of hats there, wrestling coach, tennis coach, senior associate AD for a long, long time. You're even the interim commissioner of the Big 12. I mean, I would say as somebody who's been there many, many times, there's a family feeling at Oklahoma State that I think is very similar to what's at Iowa State. Uh, do, you, do you see it that way as well? Well, they have, I mean, they have a tradition unlike any in other sports of all the titles they've won. But, again, just as we look at it today, and, and Coach Smith knows this and all of us know this, that we go right back to the same thing we started this interview with is that in this day is more than anything, you have to be a great recruiter to be good because there is a lot of talent out there. And people, you know, they're always like, oh, it's unbelievable. You know, look what Ohio State and look what Penn State have done lately. Um, and I say, well, with the number of athletes they've had there, it's interesting that they weren't doing it 20 years ago. But now those universities have determined to put money into the sport. They've built great facilities, and they're doing a great job of recruiting. And we right here at Oklahoma State now, I mean, really are re-emphasizing the importance of recruiting. And we've got some young kids that were very successful in wrestling, helping Coach Smith. And I think you're going to see this next year we've got quite a team assembled. But it goes right back to the same thing Coach Nichols was great at. You have to be able to recruit, bring people in. Um, the difference is nowadays these kids, things that are important to them that weren't even around when you were in school because now kids really worry about or think about what their uniforms look like and how fancy their locker room is and what kind of social media 
do you have going for your university? And, you know, people in the old days, our days, they didn't even think about that. You could put on the uniform and you, you know, wrestle wherever they told you to. But those facilities and things really count today, and you have to change your recruiting to understand what's important to the kids today. And people that are recruiting great today still have great wrestling programs. I think the thing as you get into our league and see where we are, I think Oklahoma State is looking at doing something with their facility, reemphasizing their recruiting. But the thing that we really need for the conference, we need Oklahoma University and we need Iowa State University to get back to the level they were maybe back in the time when I was wrestling because those were very powerful teams. And they need to get back to that point. It's not that easy to do, but at least they're putting great efforts into it. Yeah, I think you bring me to to my next question then, because you, you've been able to see from a distance that Kevin Dresser has taken over the Iowa State program and started to pump some life into it a little bit and and try to get it back built up. What what do you see uh, with Kevin Dresser at the helm as as the potential future for for the Iowa State program as you look at it from the outside? Well, he definitely has done a great job of establishing or reestablishing interest. I mean, he's obviously, everybody knows he's a very good fundraiser. You just have to give it time because it doesn't, you don't turn it around in one year. I mean, it takes more than one year unless you're just fortunate just to be an unbelievable recruiter. But that's where it starts. I mean, you can raise all the money you want and have all the facilities you want, but you've got to have the talent in there. He surely has his sights set on that being what he's going to do, the same thing they're trying to do at any school that's trying to really get themselves on the elite level. You have to be able to recruit. you got to be able to recruit nationwide. The difference is in Oklahoma, we don't have anywhere near the schools wrestling that they do out east and even Iowa. The state of Iowa have good wrestlers, but not near the numbers they have in Oklahoma. I mean, in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. And so you're really struggling all the time to stay up with the rest of them and to try to get your program up to that level. Tell me a little bit about the health of the sport in your eyes, Dave. I know it has to get in your blood and and, and be something that you've stayed very, very close to, I would think, throughout your entire life. And we've seen some ups and downs with programs getting dropped in recent years, but also uh, you go check out the NCAA championships, and they are always sold out. There's still a big thirst out there for, for college wrestling. What do you see right now as the direction that, that college wrestling's heading. Hey, you're right. There's a lot of facets to that. And I was fortunate enough, I was on the NCAA wrestling committee two different times for a total of eight years. And so you really get into seeing where you are. And I, I think that, I think across the nation, the, in the high schools and that, the growth was really strong, except I think in the last year or two, I don't, I don't think it's as strong as it was. And I think I mean, you could talk to somebody like Mike Moyer, who's the, president in WCA and he would say that you know one of the things that's hurting us across the country in high schools and that is that a lot of these schools they're not really hosting very many home dual meets they're seeing a lot of weights there's forfeits and so I think that you know we have to be very aware of of making the sport of wrestling something that people want to be part of and um, not just look at it and you say well we're very fortunate right now because ESPN's covering every match we have at the national tournament, and we're selling it out, and it's going great for the national championships. But we have to look and see, are we getting people to come to our dual meets? Right now in the high school level, I think that's a, a struggle. I think that uh, you have strong programs, but you don't have lots of them. And I think that um, you know we just have to, to push to get those weight classes filled or else cut down the number of weight classes. But you've got to – it's an exciting sport to watch. 
but you've got to get everybody, you know, involved in it. And I think on the collegiate level, one of the things you've seen some of the coaches do that I think was a detriment to the sport a little bit, that wrestling wasn't one of the stronger sports academically. And I think you see our coaches in the last year to have really been pushing across the United States to get kids serious about not only wrestling, but, but their grades. I say to, to any coach that's out there, have you ever seen an athletic director drop the sport of somebody that was his best friend? Some of us need to go out there and you need to become friends with your athletic director. You need to let him understand what you're doing. And when he sees your interest in getting those kids graduating, he or she, if they see that you're getting those kids in class and they're staying out of trouble, they're not going to drop your sport. But if you're somebody that's a controversial person to get along with and you, and you don't come show up at meetings or you don't do things the way everybody else does, sometimes that hurts the sport. And you can't have get kids getting in trouble. Heck, can't have kids flunking out of school. And if you do what you're supposed to do, which I think we have a lot of great young coaches out there these days, mm-hmm. we're going to re-strengthen the sport. But we have to look at all the things. I mean, there's things as little as this. I've heard little kids from little club teams come and say, their parents like their mother, we don't really like that singlet your kids are having to wear. We don't like them to have to be in that when they wrestle. And I'm thinking, well, then the kid, the coaches around there need to let them wear gym shorts and a T-shirt because why would we want them not to wrestle because they didn't want to conform to the uniform we wanted to wear. So we have to be aware of those things because you're trying to get people in the United States, uh, men and females these days, to wrestle. And it's a great sport. But you have to set the pace. You have to do the right things. And if we do, you know, we'll keep wrestling strong because you're right. At the national championship level, it's awesome. Um, I still, I've been one that when I was the on the chairman of the committee, I was a proponent of it, and I still am, that if we would push, I think we can get two championships. I think we could get, keep the individual championship we have right now, and I mm-hmm. think we could also get a dual meet championship, which I think can grow and could could get as many fans as they get for the individual tournament. I think I think you'd have to have it four or five months apart. But wrestling is just something we've got to be innovative and we've got to keep these young coaches going and I think that we have a good future. But every sport out there knows that they've got to do things to keep in the forefront. They just don't naturally stay there. Well said. Dave, take me back to 18 years ago. You almost came back to Ames as the athletics director. You were a finalist for the position. I know your wife was a, a cheerleader here, and, and you have roots, obviously, here. Did you feel like at that time that that you might be headed back here to, to Ames to find a home? Yeah, well, yeah, I think I probably did. But, you know, I mean, that's that's one of the things that you, you have to understand when you're in the athletic business. It's just something sometimes there's things out of your control. I mean, um, sometimes there's a huge committee at a different place when you interview. Sometimes it's just a committee of one or two. You know, you never know in the end why you did or why you didn't get it. But, yeah, I mean, at that time, there's no question I was interested in coming back. But, um, you know, I, I'd say I've been fortunate enough to get to do a lot of different things at the university level. Like you said, I mean, I, I got to spend nine months as the commissioner of the Big 12, which was just a great opportunity for me. And I've had the opportunity to be – an interim coach for some of the sports. And so I've gotten to see every single part of the athletic department over the 35 years or 34 years I was at Oklahoma State. And so I don't look back and say, oh, what was me? This didn't happen the way it should have. I really had fun doing all the different uh, areas in the athletic department that I got to be part of and oversee. So things always seem to work out the best. And um, I think that I've had a great opportunity at Oklahoma State. Had I gone to some of the other schools, I think those would have worked out well, too. But that's just part of the business. 
And if you, if you can't quite understand that, you probably ought to get in a different business. The best thing about, you know, people say when you retired, what do you do? I mean, do you miss it or what's the hard part? I said, you know, the business part is just the business part. The hard part is not having the association around young kids because you get a chance to help mold them in a lot of different ways to oversee them and to kind of guide them in the right direction. A lot of kids these days are from split families. And so you really have an opportunity to pour into them. That's the hard thing to give up. But as far as not going to work, I mean, there's a lot of nice things you can do besides <laughs> going to work. So I don't think that's too bad. But I actually have gone back and I'm working part-time, but overseeing a lot of these college, college groups that I've done for 35 years. And so I'm still, my wife and I are both still very involved with the college kids, and I like that. Well, it's going to be awesome to have you back in September for the Hall of Fame ceremony. And, you know, as I sit here and talk to you about your success, of course, you immediately brought up the team success and, and the two team championships that you had. Uh, I'm guessing you're still very, very close to uh, some of those former teammates and, and, and a lot of other friends probably back here in Iowa. Is that the case? Well, you know, you, you know, you don't see them as much as you would because I'm you know, pretty far removed down here. The thing that I think is kind of neat, as I, I learned that this year, I think it's in November, maybe they're going to honor our 1969 team. It'll be pretty special because then you get a chance to see these guys. I mean, you know, I ran into with one of them. I ran into Jim Deuce, who was one of my teammates when I was coming home from the Nationals this year. And you, but you'd be surprised; you really don't see a lot of them as much as you would think. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to the team being recognized later in the year just because a lot of them I know will come back. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to win it in 69 and 70. And so, um, yeah, I'd like to see those guys because I don't get to see them as much as I would like to. Well, that's even better. You're going to be back twice this fall. We'll look forward to seeing you. And, Dave, thanks so much for taking the time. And congratulations. Nobody more deserving of being in the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame than you are. Well, I appreciate your, your, your statement, and I'm, I was more than happy to do it. And Thanks, and I'm looking forward to coming twice this fall. It'd be great. I was there. Actually, I got to go this past year. I went up uh, one of the when we played at Iowa State this year. I was up there and I stood on the sidelines, and it was a, it was a it was a neat experience. So we'll we'll be up there again a couple times this year. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.